0: Good morning to each one and greetings in Jesus' name. This message this morning is taming the tongue by repentance and forgiveness and as you all know, uh, I like to talk and this is something that God has been working on in my life in uh, maybe helping me to season my speech with some salt. But also, um, you know, we want to appeal to others and not be offensive. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 18. I want to start there just briefly. And then I want to look into the Old Testament just a little bit. Because all of us communicate and sometimes our communication is upbuilding and wholesome and sometimes our communication needs some needs some help but they were discussing here the greatest in the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 18 the disciples at the time says here came to Jesus saying who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And he said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as a little child, as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Each one of us, young, old, we are, as we have committed our hearts to Christ, we are children of God. And those that have not made that commitment yet, most are safe. In his care. And yet there may be some in that age of accountability that are struggling with where do I go with God, with his word, with God's calling. But it goes on to say, Whosoever there shall, therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We all recognize children as being very receptive, very um, Open to what people have to share with them. But we also know that they tend to be influenced easily. As a young Christian, we tend to have an attack by Satan that often tends to try to draw us away from God and from His Spirit. And so as a young Christian, we may be able to identify slightly with a young child. And it says, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall receive such one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Now I know that many of us would not like to be pulled down under. But it says it would be better for that to happen than for any of us to offend a child or even a young Christian. And then it goes on to say, Wherefore if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut it off, cast it away from thee. It's better to live without that than to have that as an offense That would drag thee into hell. So as we look at these verses, are you an offender or are you the offended? And I want to look at that just a little bit both ways. In Luke chapter 17, it says, Then said he unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. And that means that sins will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. And it's repeating these verses here in Matthew that I just read. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he be cast into sea that he should offend one of these little ones. But then it says here in Luke, Take heed to yourselves. And that's speaking to you and I. Take heed to myself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And this word rebuke is is carrying the meaning as it shares in 1 Timothy that we are to rebuke as a father. Let me see if I can. It's rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the older women as mothers, mothers, the younger as sisters. It It means don't rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And so this is carrying the meaning of do it gently, do it honestly. Do it in a godly way. And it says, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again unto thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now, I don't know how it is with you, but sometimes forgiveness takes time for me. And when we are offended, forgiveness is a really tough thing. But I want us to remember that forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a circumstance. It's not a feeling. It's not something that just automatically happens, but it is something we strive for, we work for. Forgiveness is something that is purposeful. And Daryl shared the other week intentional living. It is an intentional action. It is something that needs to be a continual response when thoughts of the wrong surface. You know, we hear that uh, phrase, you need to forgive and forget. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, we need to forgive. It is hard to forget. But as we do remember those things, we need to put them back under the blood. A continual response of forgiveness. Of prayer. When someone says something about us or does something to us that is offensive, it's hard to take that without a response. And oftentimes, when we do respond, we forget to do it in a Christ like way. And I dare say that many, if not all of us in this room, have been guilty of saying or doing something that. Maybe hurt someone. Maybe it was unintentional. And I'm sure that many of us sitting in this congregation have also felt that sting of hurt or disappointment by comment or action of others. And a lot of times, I mean I speak for myself, a lot of times we're somewhat oblivious to how we come across to other people the tone of voice or the action or whatever. We're somewhat oblivious to how others perceive what we said or how we said it or even that action. And we as Christians need to strive to have our words seasoned with grace, with kindness. And that's, for me, a pretty tall order. You ever get frustrated? You ever get agitated? You ever get stressed out? Well, that happens sometimes. At least it does for us. And many times through that stress, through that agitation, through that frustration, words, actions come out that can be offensive. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Leviticus chapter 19. God in the Levitical law, had some really hard, straight words for the children of Israel. When he was laying out the law for them, giving them the commands, Leviticus chapter 19, starting at verse 15, it says, "...you shall do no unrighteousness in judgment," Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. But thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Does that sound familiar? The New Testament. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. One of the part of the greatest command. Love thy neighbor, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love thy neighbor as thyself. I want to look at these verses just a little bit in some of the word meanings. In Leviticus 19.15, Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, This no-righteousness means to distort or deal unjustly. And this judgment means to judge, to charge, to condemn, or to punish. And further down it says, Don't think lowly of the poor, nor highly of the rich. Is that in the New Testament too? Think about that. When we pass judgment on someone, it is often... Because of our skewed personal point of view. And sometimes it can be way off base. The best way to really get a true picture of what they meant and what they said is just to talk to them openly, honestly, and frankly. It's just as simple as communication. Because communication can wash away all the supposition, all the assumptions. And it gets down to the nitty-gritty of talking about it. But again, sometimes that talking is a pretty tall order. Because talking involves being vulnerable. Allowing yourself to become vulnerable to someone else. A lot of times harsh words and criticism come from misunderstanding. They come from jealousy or bad attitude. and They come from many other things. But communication can alleviate a lot of those misunderstandings, those assumptions, those suppositions. Verse 16, Thou shalt not go up and down as a tailbearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord." We are not to say untrue things about others, nor cut down your neighbor's reputation by false witness. This word, stand against the blood of thy neighbor. Cut down your neighbor's reputation by false witness. I wanted to read in Psalms 15, the 15th psalm, just a couple of verses. This is a psalm of David Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Are you one of the chosen of the body of Christ? Have you made a confession of Christ in your life? It says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly. Are you there? Am I there? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. How are we to remain holy? We are to remain holy by walking uprightly, by working righteousness, by speaking truth, and by being careful what we say about others. And I have work to do. Verse 17, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart, Thou shalt not in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. This word hate means to be hateful. And this heart means the intellect, the inner being, the center of you. You know, I've heard the saying, if our cup is full of something, when we get bumped, what comes out? Well, if we have some of this envy, bitterness, whatever, in our heart, when we get bumped with stress or whatever, some of that stuff comes out. This word rebuke means to feel like you're right and then to reprove someone. This word neighbor means a, com- a comrade or a kindred person. And it says we're not to be hateful in our heart to think that we are right and then strive to correct or reprove someone that is considered our brother, comrade, friend, comrade or kindred man or friend. Verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This word avenge means not to punish or take vengeance. The word love means to have affection or to be loved like a friend. And this word neighbor is an associate. Someone that you are close to. A brother, a companion, a fellow, or a friend. And God in in these verses, in these law, was speaking to an unregenerate people. Even though they were a chosen nation... They were a society that needed specific direction because they didn't have the power of the Spirit in their lives. And the difference today is not a difference in the flesh of our being. Because I believe the same men and women that walked the earth in this desert area that received this Levitical law... Dealt with the same passions, the same thoughts, the same offenses, the same offending. But the difference is being today under the control of a holy God. Through the presence of His Spirit, through the direction of His Word. Through a brotherhood that promotes responsibility, accountability, restoration, reconciliation. Turn with me if you will to the book of James. In the book of James, this thought is continued and it's built upon. And this is written, people, to Christians who are in need of control. And so this is written not only here, but it was written to you and I today. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. And able also to bridle the whole body. Are you able? Are you perfect? Are you able to control and not offend in any word? Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so... The tongue is a little member, and it boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things of the sea is tamed, And hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man. I want us to pay attention to that. The tongue can no man tame. It has to be tamed by a holy God. It has to be tamed by a heart sold out to Him. Filled with the Spirit of Christ. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil Full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. Here we are today. Reading, preaching, sharing one another. Hopefully encouraging one another. But what happens tomorrow? What happens this afternoon? What happens other times? Therewith we bless God, even the Father. Therewith curse we men. Which are made after the same likeness. Or the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing my brethren these things ought not so to be so i don't want to raise a hands but do we bless god and then criticize or curse or not necessarily curse but do we do we bless god with our sunday face and then monday tuesday wednesday comes around and we're not that same person Something for me to work on. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. Therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom, his lifestyle. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but it is earthly, it is sensual, it is devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So are you the offender or are you the offended? Are we all in the same boat I think many of us are. I think many of us do fail in the way that we speak, the way that we act. And so for many of us, we are the offender. And what do we do with that? Both are hard to deal with. But they need to be dealt with in repentance and forgiveness through Christ. Both are hard to deal with because an offender has to admit That they were wrong. Are you wrong? Is it easy to admit that? It's tough for me sometimes. But I want to say this. When I am, hopefully, when that is shared with me, I hope that I am more than willing to go forward to make things right again. Both are hard because the offender has to admit they're wrong and then go make amends. The offended needs to practice the mindset of Christ. And forgive, even if there's no acknowledgement from the offender. And we look at Jesus, and He was an incredible example of forgiveness. When He was accused, He didn't answer back. When He was beaten, He didn't strike back. When He was crucified, He said, Father, forgive them. Oh, that we could have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2, five says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And you know, as I was studying and reading some of these accounts of Jesus and his response to the governor, to those men, to the, to the uh, chief priests, it says that he answered not a word and they marveled. That to me is amazing. Are you able to bear the marks of Christ? Are you able to suffer those words and then to forgive? Are you able to admit that you have offended, and then go for reconciliation. We cannot do it on our own strength. We look at those children of Israel and the laws that were laid out in in detail of how they were supposed to perform it. And Jesus came and gave us a new heart and basically said, you have a new heart. Just go fix the problem. When you fail, go fix the problem. Answer that spirit that is working in you, First Peter two nineteen. For this is thankworthy if a man if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. It's a thankworthy thing. Have you ever suffered? For what glory is it if, when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye take it patiently? But when you do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For here unto you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. It says Christ did this before us. Christ suffered before us. He left an example. When he was reviled, he reviled not. When he was accused, he answered, not again. When he was beaten, he didn't strike back. When he was crucified, he said, Father, forgive them. Did those people at the foot of the cross ask Jesus for forgiveness? No, they didn't. They walked by and reviled him and criticized him and said all manner of evil against him. And yet he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Where are you? When things come your way, are we following Christ's example? It says, He who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Forgive and you will be forgiven. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Key phrase right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on in verse 15. 14. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses... Neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Tough words. But pretty, pretty straightforward for me. And for you. Are we offending or offended? Are we forgiving or being forgiven? Are we seeking that reconciliation? As Christian people... We have a new heart. And hopefully we have a new mind. And you know, I don't know if you've heard the old adage, we need to have skin as thick as an elephant's hide. And we need to have, uh, let's see, let, let it roll off. Let's see, let water roll off. Let it roll off like water off a duck's back. There you go. Let, let, it, roll off, let it roll off like water off a duck's back. So as Christians... We need to have thick, oily skin and strive not to offend in word or in deed. And I hope you all understand what I'm saying. Thick, oily skin means sometimes words will come. Sometimes offenses will come. And sometimes we just need to just forgive as Christ has forgiven. It is only through Him that strengthens each one of us for God's glory, for our good. Lord bless each one of you.